All right, how many of you guys know anything about tithing? This is the message that all pastors hate to preach because they're afraid that their, uh, their congregation is trying to get, uh, they're afraid that their congregation is going to think that the pastor is trying to get money out of them. But I don't worry about that. Um, you guys don't have very much money anyway, but you will in the future, especially since some of you guys will become doctors. Then I care. Uh, but until then, you guys are a bunch of uh, high school and college students, so you guys are all poor, and so I don't care. I'm just going to tell you the truth, okay? Because your, your tithing doesn't affect my pay. Isn't that awesome? So I can just tell you the truth. Yeah? Amen? All right, so how many of you guys know anything about tithing? What have you heard about tithing? 10%. 10%. That's great. Tithing actually means 10%. What else have you heard about tithing? What? Joyful giving. What happens if you don't give tithe? Struck down. <laughs> the Lord will smite you. What'd you say, Mandy? Yes, that is huge. That is huge. One of the main incentives that the church gives for you to give tithe is that if you tithe, God will bless you. And who doesn't want blessing? But the problem is, what kind of blessing does God usually give you? Unless you're like prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel believes that God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. So that means if you are, uh, you believe in prosperity gospel, then God will bless you with a new Mercedes Benz. That's how he blesses you. But if you read the Bible, there's no Mercedes Benz in the Bible, nor God does, does God promise any of that kind of stuff. So what kind of blessing does God usually give you? Blessing of abundance. Blessing of abundance. I have five kids. That's the kind of blessing God gives you. You guys are like, forget it, we're not tithing. <laughs> no more. He gives you like really like intangible blessings. Like he gives you blessings of like community, right? Not like abundance of money. Yeah, he gives you money. But like my wife and I, we've been following the Lord faithfully for however many years and we're not rich. We're actually opposite of rich, right? My kids, they eat so much. But we're still really, really blessed. So what is this tithing thing about? Like, why is it such a big deal? Why are so people so uncomfortable with it? There is this verse, Malachi 3.10. How many of you guys have heard of it? Somebody, does somebody have a Bible in here? I know your phones all have Bibles. Pull out Malachi 3.10 and read it for me. Malachi 3.10. And it looks like Mal- Mal- Malachi. It looks like Italian. <laughs> he's an Italian prophet. No, just kidding. He's not an Italian prophet. So don't pronounce him Malachi. They'll just look at you like you're dumb. Malachi 3.10. Somebody read it for me. Yes, bring the tithe into my storehouse. So pastors, you know what they'll say? They're like, the church is the storehouse. Bring your tithe in the storehouse. And if you do, God will bless you. It says, test me in this. God is saying, test me. If you give money to the church, God will bless you. And so pastors just sit on that passage. But the problem is, that's not for us. So I'm going to give you seven reasons, and this is really bad, okay? So do not tell Pastor Hong this, okay? Because he, will, because he wants me to teach on tithing all the time. He's like, those young people need to learn how to give. Yes, sir. But I'm going to teach you seven reasons why you shouldn't tithe. Seven reasons why you should Don't just tithe, okay? So here's seven reasons. Number one, tithing was a part of the law of Moses. So if you know anything about the Bible, there is the law right, that the Jews followed, the Pharisees, all this kind of stuff. And then Jesus came on the scene and he wiped away some of those laws, the requirements of the laws. 
for us. So we don't have to follow. For instance, right, there are certain, certain Jews that walk around with tassels on their clothing. That was a law. There, there was this passage where they, they, they write scripture and put it in a box, they stick it on their forehead, they tie it to the forehead, they walk around with, with scripture. We don't do that. Women, you don't have to cover your head. Right? They said, men, don't, don't, don't cut the sides of your beards. I don't know why, they just really wanted wide beards. Just like this. It was in the law. And you're like, okay, what the heck am I supposed to do with this? And then Jesus is like, okay, well, you, when you start studying the New Testament, you're like, okay, so we don't have to necessarily follow these things. Uh, college group, you remember we started to study this in the book of Acts? What, what, were, what were the basic requirements did the Jews that became Christians tell the, uh, to the Gentiles? The Gentiles are non-Christians. It's a fancy word for saying, or non-Jewish. So what do they say? <laughs> no. What did, the, what did the church decide that the non-Jews had to, had, had to do? No, they didn't have to be circumcised. The law is no more, but you just, you know, like, like be cool. Like, don't have sex with everybody. <laughs> like, it was like stuff like that. It was like pretty, you know, like basic stuff, right? Like, don't, don't hurt people. <laughs> you know, it's like, stuff. you're like, okay, this makes total sense, you know? So you don't have to follow all the laws of the, uh, of the, of the Jews. So here, tithing was, was a part of the law of Moses, so it's not for Christians today. In the Old Testament, tithing was a tax to support the government of Israel. Now, what was the government of Israel? Who was the king at the time? At this, at, okay, you wouldn't know this, but in this time, the government was not run by a king. No, no, even before, this is be, way before then. There was no king. Uh, okay, see, on the, on the progress of redemption, Right? The three patriarchs, Joshua, like Moses, right? Moses c- crosses the Red Sea, Ten Commandments are given, right? Um, yo. And then uh, the land starts to become divided up, right? And then the people start acting crazy. This is the book of Judges. The people start acting crazy. There's no king, there's no law, there's no police, there's nothing, right? God is the, 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 the king of this country. And then, the, uh, and then all of the Israelites say, you know what? We want a king like every other nation. Why don't we have a king? Why, why don't we have what other, other countries have? So in that time, the, in the Old Testament, tithing was a tax to support the government of Israel, to feed the poor, right? To keep the government running, to continue to push uh, uh, Jewish rules or Jewish law. Number three, tithing is not mentioned in any instructions to the church. Now, this is kind of weird. So we read all through the entire book of Acts, right, college group? We studied it. We studied all the, uh, the, the passages. Do we hear anything about tithing? No. Tithing is nowhere in the New Testament, in the entire New Testament. Tithing is not there. Number four, tithing is not mentioned in any of the writings of the early church fathers. So there's a bunch of guys, right, that were part of the church fathers, right? Who was the, who was the church father? Who was the, the, the pastor, I guess, of the church of Jerusalem? Anybody? Nope. Huh? Nope. Starts with a J, ends with an Ames. James, nice! Killed it, right? <laughs> guys like that, these, these church fathers, these early church fathers, nobody ever wrote about tithing. That means they didn't do it. Number five, tithing puts the wrong emphasis on giving. Why? What, can, what do you kind of think about when you give tithe? You're like, here's my 10%. You're like, da-da, I'm done. I can go to Starbucks as much as I want. I can do whatever I want with my money. I don't have to give God any more money. I gave my 10%. God, come on, don't ask for more. This is ridiculous. Right? I'm not a bank. Number six, tithing leads to a false concept of stewardship. All right, this is complicated. High school students, right? Stewardship is basically where you take care of something. Have you ever took care of somebody's pet? 
All right, so th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the story, but this is really bad, okay? So Josh Cooper, who's going on that mission trip for 11, 11 months, his brother Johnny, um, his family had taken a, uh, an expensive exotic bird, like a parrot, you know, those that are like $1,000 or something like that. And Johnny loved that bird. This was when he was a kid. He loved that bird, and he would sleep with that bird, and they would hang out with that bird, and he rolled over that bird, and he killed it. He, he fell asleep on that bird. So answer this. Was Johnny a good steward or a bad steward? A dangerous steward. <laughs> he was a bad steward. He didn't take care of what was entrusted to him. It was not his. It was belonged to the owner, and he killed it. He took it away from him. The same thing goes for us. Everything about your spiritual life that you have struggles with is about stewardship. God entrusts you with money. Everything that you own is his. God entrusts you, right, with your life. Your life is his. So the problem is everything about us is a struggle between those two things. Everything I own and everything I am. Who does it belong to? Does it belong to me or does it belong to God? That's why we sing these songs about, like, I give everything to you, God. And really in your heart, you're like, I'm going to Starbucks afterward. Did you ask God if you should go to Starbucks? Did you pay $5? Is this good for your body? It's a stewardship problem. If this really belongs to God, then should you do it? Because if it belongs to God, if you beat it up and give it back to him, you give God back a dead parrot, you've got a problem. Stewardship or tithing changes that idea. So you're like, okay, God, 10% is your money, 90% is my money. No. God's saying 100% is his money, and you better ask him what, you want, what, he, what he wants you to do with it. Your whole life, 100% of your life, not just the moment that you're in church or in Bible study or in prayer time or quiet time or whatever is, is God's time, but then all the rest is your time. No. It's just a stewardship problem. Everything is God, so it's like every moment of the day, God, what do you want me to do? Now, obviously, that would make you neurotic and crazy. Should I have the hot dog or should I have the hamburger? Hot dog or hamburger, God, hurry up, talk. I'm waiting. People are in line, right? It would make you neurotic. So there's a lot of things kind of on default. Like, I'm sure God really doesn't care about what you eat unless you eat a lot of it over and over and over and get really obese and then die of a heart attack. That would probably be a problem. But in general, like, there's a lot of things on default. But there are major swaths of your time and your life that you never, ever consider whether or not God wants you to do it or not. For instance, career. We talk about this a lot, especially in college group. Does people, do people even ask, you know why you choose to become a pharmacist? Because well, medical school is too hard. And people still respect pharmacy. Did you even ask God about what you should be doing with your life? Well, I want to do medical school, but medical school is too hard, so I'm going to be a physician's assistant because my parents still think that's okay. And my dad, you know what he told me? He said, Howard, if you're not smart enough to be a physician or a doctor, then become a dentist. I'm like, what? All right, what about Jesus? Have you even stopped for a second to ask what God wants you to do in your life? And then the second question is that a lot of people don't ask because if you come to our church, you will start thinking in terms of, what should I do with my life? God, how can I give my life to you? The second question that a lot of people don't ask is, what should I do with my money? my resources. Because some of you guys will be here and the rest of your life you will act like this. I only have a couple of dollars to spare. I have, I have $5. I don't, $5 won't hurt. I'll just give $5. And that will be the mode of your giving for the rest of your life. You will have a stewardship problem. I don't care about your money. Money is easy come, easy go. Seriously, money is. You guys worry about money now because you don't have any money. But when you get older, you're like, I could just work and get a job and You just might not live the way you want, but you're not going to starve to death, not in our country, not unless the zombie apocalypse happens, right? Cameron thinks that's amusing, but yeah. You get what I'm saying? 
Money is easy come, easy go. So the idea is that you cannot stop, th- you can't keep thinking that I'm just going to give whatever I have spare change where it doesn't hurt, it's not sacrificial. You have to start thinking in stewardship. Is this money mine? No. Then what does God want me to do with my money? Tithing leads to a false concept of stewardship. Seven, tithing is burdensome for some people and too easy for others. Let's say you make $200,000 a month. Uh, not a month, a year. <laughs> a month. Let's say, <laughs> let's say you make $200,000 a year, which is not far from some of the income that you will make. 10% of $200,000 is what, math students? $20,000, <laughs> right? So $20,000 off the top. So how much do you have left for living? $180,000. Let's say you just it's you and your wife. It's just you and your wife. You make $200,000 a year. Is it difficult for you and your wife, and you, a lot of you won't know this because you haven't lived that life yet, but is it difficult for you to live off $180,000 a year with you and your wife? <laughs> yeah, it depends. Do you fuel up the jet this year? No. It is not hard for $180,000 between two people. Now, let's say you are my wife and I. And for some reason, my wife likes being pregnant. She's just popping out babies like a factory. And we got five babies all just, <laughs> Hey, hey, honey. Hey, what's up? All right, so let's say you're like my wife and I. All of a sudden, and let's say, let's say my wife and I have just done well. Like financially, we've done well, and we make $70,000 a year. Right? That's not well, by the way, not for seven. The government really thinks we're in poverty. Like, the, like we are well below the poverty line. So they keep trying to throw stuff at us like, take food stamps, you really need food stamps. You really need benefits. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. I don't, we, we don't take them, right, honey? Yeah, there you go. Because we're trying to be responsible adults. Tell you what. All right, so $70,000. So what's, seven, uh, 70, what's 10% of $70,000? $7,000. Is it hard for us to live with seven, a family of seven minus $7,000 a year? The answer is yes. It's very, very hard. It is very, very hard. So it is difficult for some and too easy for others. The concept of 10% is difficult for some and easy for others. God is not interested in your 10%. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in stewardship. You taking care of what I'm giving you in this life not about 50% you and 50% God. He's like blowing away all of those things. Whenever you encounter Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus screws up everything. The rich younger ruler, remember that guy? He comes up to Jesus and says, hey, good teacher. And Jesus is like, why do you call me good? He's like, what must I do to be saved? He wants to be saved. And he says, just do this, do this, do this. He's like, I've done all of those things. And he says, okay, one thing you don't have, sell all you have and follow me. What? This kid was like all about following the rules, the law. I followed the law since birth. I did everything that I was supposed to do. I'm a good person. I have a, re- I have a good reputation. And Jesus is like, all right, I'm, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, give me everything you have. What was Jesus saying? It's a stewardship issue. Does this, all this stuff really belong to you or does it belong to me? Does it really belong to you or does it really belong to God? It's a stewardship issue. So the 10% is not enough for you if you are born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You're rich. You're growing up wealthy. Right, Shania? That's not enough for you. That doesn't matter. Because it doesn't touch your heart. Whenever you have a $200,000 a year and you give away $20,000, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't mean anything to you. So God's saying, hey, you know what? I don't care about numbers. Numbers don't really matter. What I really care about is your heart. So give until you know 
that you're obeying me. And it's usually not a number. It's, not usually, it's usually not a number. All right, so let's talk about grace giving. All right, so what is grace giving? That's the opposite of tithing. Grace giving is the idea that you give from a place of grace where you know that God has changed your life. He's done something amazing in your life. He's transformed you. You're no longer the same person, right? You've received God's grace in your life because Jesus died on the cross and he saved you. So how do you give from that place? Not from obligation or because some pastor tries to manipulate you and say, hey, you will be blessed if you give. Instead, how do you give from a place of just honest love for God? Um, uh, grace giving is not random and irresponsible. That's the problem. A lot of people are like, okay, well, grace giving must be about emotion then. Like, oh, I feel really good, so I'm going to give. Oh, that guy made me really cry when he was talking and preaching, so I'm going to give him money. No. It's not random and irresponsible. It's consistent. Number two, based on feelings. It's definitely not based on feelings. You've got to use your brain. Number three, usually less than the requirement of the law. It's not usually less than the requirement of the law. What's the law requirement? 10%. It's, usually, it's not usually less than the requirement of the law. Remember when we were talking about like, why you shouldn't smoke pot? <laughs> that was a funny sermon. <laughs> if I think about like, if I go through the list of sermons I've preached, I'm like, why did I preach on that? The reason why you don't smoke pot is because, yeah, is it legal? Yeah, it, well, in some states it's legal. It's going to be legal in all the states pretty soon, believe me. Um, so why, why not smoke pot if it's, if it's okay by the law? Right? It's because we don't live our Christian faith just barely getting by. Just enough. We don't ask questions like, what must I do to be saved and just do the bare minimum? My God, how do I accept your complete and total grace? How do I live my life for you completely and totally, not on the fence? I don't want people to walk around thinking like, is that guy a Christian or that, not, that guy's not a Christian? I don't, want him to, I, don't want him, I don't want people to wonder. I want my whole life to look like it's been marked by Christ. You know what I'm saying? We don't live halfway. So it's not usually less than the requirement of law. Number four, giving God the leftovers. Grace giving is not giving God the leftovers, and we were just talking about that a second ago. It's not where it's like, oh yeah, I have this extra in my pocket. I have $5, and I have a, I have a 20, so I'm going to give the five, and then I'll have 20, and I'll eat lunch. It's not the leftovers. Grace giving is based on, number one, God's example in Christ. What did Christ give? You guys don't know? Oh, not money. Yeah, what did he give? His life. Thank you, Robin. Robin's like sarcastic. His life. Yeah, there's this song uh, um, uh, Jeremy Riddle sings. Um, oh, this is Amazing Grace. And then he sings this little ad libby part. He's like, what kind of king leaves his throne? What kind of king leaves his throne? And he sings that over and over. And that really moved me because I just like I, the idea that, that Christ didn't wasn't like, oh, okay, I'll give you 20% grace and 80% is for me. Christ is like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be born through the womb of a woman. I've seen a lot of births, obviously. And it's not comfortable for the woman or the baby. Like, have you ever seen babies when they come out? Like in the movies, you know, they come out, they're like fat and, and like clean. That's a complete lie. You see a birth for the very first time, it will traumatize you. I had an anxiety attack right after I saw a video. My wife was already pregnant, so I couldn't do anything about it. We watched the video, and I'm like, I had no idea. I must have skipped the day when they showed births on, on, in class. I literally had a panic attack. I'm like, we got to take it back. And I wasn't talking about the video. I'm like, we got to take it back. We can't do this. And it's like, I'm such a selfish jerk because it's like my wife is birthing the baby and I'm just like, we can't do this. 
we, we just can't do it. It's stupid. But Josiah was born, and there he is. He's healthy and happy. We did not, we did not take him back, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You've got some fans. All right. But when babies come out of the womb, they look like they got ran over by a car. Their faces are smushed. Their heads are like this. Or sometimes if they come out at the wrong angle, they're like this. So, like, if they could walk, they would just be like this, leaning, like this, walking. Because they couldn't walk straight. I mean, like, babies look nasty. What kind of king leaves his throne when he knows that he's going to be birthed through a woman's womb? Their head's going to come out as a cone, right? Like, talk about dignity. You know what? Like, listen to me. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a youth pastor, right? I'm a pastor. And so sometimes, like, like when I went to the pastor's conference, um, all right, this is kind of embarrassing, but when we go to the pastor's conference, like, I just didn't want anybody to know that I was a youth pastor. Because everybody else were like pastors, and so my, Pastor Hong would introduce me to other pastors, you know? And they're like, this is Howard, he's, he's a pastor at a church. I'm like, oh, Hugh. And I didn't do that out loud over there, but in my heart of hearts, like, that's how, like, like, I want to be dignified. And youth pastors, they just have this reputation of being, like, our youth, just youth pastors in general, just really kind of flaky, you know? Like, that's their reputation. And I just wanted to be like, no, like, we, we do, like, really important stuff, and I really love my kids, and I've been here for nine years, and, and this is really important to me, and yeah, 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 you know? My dignity, is as small as it is, is just like in that. When you think about God who left the throne to come down on earth, to be born from a woman, for everyone just to think he's a child and grow up. And then this roller coaster of up and down of being loved and hated and loved and hated and then finally killed. Talk about grace giving. Jesus, Jesus did the grace giving. He gave everything. Stewardship, right? Number two, the concept of stewardship. And we just talked about that, so I'm not going to go over that. But grace giving is based on the concept of stewardship we we give because this is not ours. This money doesn't belong to us. Number three, an act of will, not compulsion. Oh, the, the video was so good for that missionary I want to give. No. You know why we want to support Josh Cooper? Because he was born in this church, not literally. He grew up in this church. He got saved in this church. He, he, he grew up and, and started maturing in the Lord, and now he wants to do missions. It's not a compulsion thing. It's part of our values, our vision. We want to see young people raised up to, be out, to go out and to become missionaries. So it's not even like this, this oh, we, we, we need to help him. No, it's just part of who we are, part of, of this church. And we want to support him. Right? So that you guys will look at that and be like, oh, yeah, I, I want to be a missionary too. If Josh can do it, I can do it. It's not, out of, uh, out of, uh, it's not out of compulsion. It's an act of will. It's who we are. And number four, being led by the Spirit. And this is really, really, really tough. Because some of you guys have a hard time. You think, I, I can't hear the Lord. But oftentimes you do. Oftentimes you hear the Lord a lot more than you think you do. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's simply, hey, you know, should I go on the mission trip or should I not go on the mission trip? Oh, well, you should probably go on the mission trip. Should I give this money or should I not give this money? You should probably give this money. Should I, go to this, should I sign up for this Bible study or should I not sign up for this Bible study? You should probably sign up for this Bible study. Right? It's, it's really, not, really not hard. You know the direction where God is and you just follow that direction. And there will be moments when God says no, but he's not going to be like trying to trick you. Like, I'm going to give him the weakest signal possible so that he will not be sure whether he should or should not do something. 
No, God's like, uh, Will, you need to know. So, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. And so Chris comes up to him and says, hey, Will, you know something about, I was praying about this and really felt like maybe God was saying no. And Will's like, oh, you know, I got that sense too. And then you start talking about it, you just discover, well, I think really God's saying no. Right? But God's not here, sitting here trying to trick you. So you being led by the Spirit. Take your money. Look at your finances. A lot of you guys make money. You have these little jobs, not, not to make them insignificant, but you, you feel like they're not a lot of money, and that's fine. But learn how to give, and learn how to give sacrificially. In college group, I talked about this one guy named Ken Daniels in our church. He gave his entire paycheck away to a guy that was in need. And, this, and Ken Daniels, he's an old guy. He's, bo- oh, he's broke. His wife left him, took all of his money, and he's working paycheck to paycheck, barely making it. Right? But he loves the Lord, and the Lord told him, hey, you, need, you know that guy in need, you need to give him your entire paycheck. He gives him his, his entire paycheck. He's like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't have any money now. I don't have any money to pay for groceries or pay for my own bills. Ken Daniels wasn't acting out of compulsion. This is just who he is. He loves the Lord. He understands stewardship, and he was being led by the Spirit. He gave the guy entire money. And then he shared this testimony. He was like, you know what? I, it's not to brag about myself, but God, because God really was faithful. And he gave, he gave Ken Daniels everything he needed to make it that month. And so the idea is that you might be thinking, right, being led by the Spirit is something that you just can't do or it's too big for you, but it's not, man. It's not. Just being open to the opportunity. God, I want to be led by you. I want to do what you want me to do. And you, you know what you're going to find? When you do a little bit in the beginning, just a little bit, you know, God tells you to do this and you know he's telling you to do it and you just do, you act on it, then he starts to bless you and you start to do more. And you start to get more confident. You're like, God, I can follow you. I can follow you. This is amazing. I can follow you. And then you start to do amazing things. Then you look back on your life. Like my wife and I, like you know me, I'm a fearful person. I have anxiety, right? And my wife and I have traveled. I've traveled to 29 countries, right, doing missions work. I don't like airplanes. I don't like leaving anywhere. That's why I've been here for nine years. I'm like a homebody. Like that's, that's who I am. I'm not an adventurous person. I have friends that are adventurous. I have friends because, that are adventurous because I need to be more adventurous, but that's not my personality. But just looking at the faithful following of, of God over my life, I look at my life and I, I... You see what happens. It's crazy. And I wasn't set up like some of you guys. You know, I didn't have two parents that had money that were going to send me to college. My parents were divorced, and I hated my dad. And I hadn't seen my mom ever since she left when I was 11. I was into drugs. I had a 1.7 GPA in high school. My trajectory, yeah, thanks, Helen, for laughing. My trajectory was, was towards doom. I was walking towards it. I had no prospects. But that faithful, just following little bit by little bit, knowing, okay, God, you want me to give this money away? Okay, I'll, I'll, get, I'll go to it. You want me to do this? I'll do this. I'll, and just living like that, and God begins to organize your life, and, and, and it begins to be guided by him. And all of a sudden, you're in step with God, and all of a sudden, you look back in your life, and you're like, God, how, how did you do this in my life? And don't think that I have not had the fear. I, the whole time I was f- filled with fear. Whole time going through my life. Especially when I married my wife. You know how much money I made um, in missionary support? I had $40. She had $300. She was like rich. I barely had enough money to pay for my own laundry, to wash my own laundry. That's how much money I had in, in missions. And my wife had $300. And we got married. We had $340. Can you imagine if you told your dad, you're like, hey, you know, so I'm going to marry this guy. Uh, <coughs> so does he work? Yeah, well, he's a missionary. He's a missionary. It was, well, how, how much do you guys, if you don't mind me asking, much, well, together uh, we make $340 a month. 
Like, would your dad be like, great! <laughs> Show me where to sign. I'll, I'll happily sign off on your marriage. No. But we just faithfully followed God. We were terrified. And God began to take care of us more and more and more and more and more until we're here. Right? Stewardship. Being led by the Spirit. Grace-filled giving. How much God has prospered you. Grace giving is based on how much God has prospered you. Prospered you not necessarily financially. Prospered you in your life. If you're like me, and I've been saved from a lot of things, right? I am constantly walking around in gratefulness. I just can't get rid of it. I am constantly walking around in grace. I just can't get rid of it. It's hard for me to judge other people. It's hard for me to not see it from their side. It's hard for me to see people that fail over and over and over again and, and remember myself. When you give because of how much God has prospered, you start to become overwhelmed and it becomes an easy decision just to give. And so the question is, how much has God prospered you? How much has God blessed you in your life? Not just financially, but everything. How much has God shown you through your friends, through our church, our community, through the trips that you've gone on, through your family, your parents? I know some of you guys have incredibly godly parents that love the Lord. How much has he blessed you? You give because of those things. So just to, to recap really quick, don't tithe. Forget tithing. Stewardship. Give everything you got. And again, not compulsively, not emotionally. Make a plan. Okay, so in allowance, I get $20 a week. What can I do with that $20? What, what, kinda, what can I do to make a difference? Do you know that, that every single one of our scholarships, including our mission trip scholarships, um, our winter retreat, summer retreat activities, all, those are all paid for by students that have grown up in this church and have left the church. Not left bad, but like grown up and moved away. And they still call me. They send me money. They're like, Howard, this is for scholarships. Here's $300 for scholarships. Howard, here's $500 for scholarships. We've never had the church pay for one scholarship in this, in this ministry. We've had students like you that grew up and actually got jobs with, and they live in different states and they send us money for you guys. How cool is that? They're following this practice. Forget about 10%. Think about stewardship. This all belongs to God. What do I do with it? My life. This all belongs to God. What do I do with it? Forget about rules, all that kind of stuff. Give, because this is who we are as Christians. This is who we are, okay? Does that make sense? Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for every single person here. Because we know that you have a purpose. And, and some of us in here are going to be like crazy, filthy rich. And some of us are going to be like dirt poor. But I just pray every single person's heart would be in the idea of stewardship. They would get it. That's really not about 10%. It's not about obligation or getting blessing. It's just recognizing that you own everything about us. And that's a good thing, and it's a wonderful thing. And that we can trust you. And you want us to live a life in, 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 that brings you glory and brings others to know you, to save and to transform like you've done with us. So just pray that you continue uh, 
uh, to work in us. Help us to mature in that. Help us to be sacrificial givers. Uh, absolutely in love with you, not because of, of guilt. Well, I just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now that I preached on tithing, do not fill that tithing bucket with your guilt money. Okay? Last time I talked about tithing, even for a few minutes, you guys like filled up that pot up. And that's great. But don't fill that with your guilt money. Make a plan. Tithe consistently. What I want to see is that you guys have a heart for the Lord and you're giving out of grace and looking. And, and so all of a sudden our tithe consistently becomes this number that you can actually give and you want to give and you love to give. Okay? So don't put money. I'm forbidding you. If you don't tithe, don't put money this week. Go home and make a plan. We don't need your little $1 bills. All right? We need your hearts. Okay? So that better not be, Andre better not be counting that money and be like, 456? <laughs> no, don't do that. Make a plan, okay? Are we good? All right? Don't tell Pastor Hong I said that either, okay? 